My thanks to Richard Russeth and Jody and Stephanie Olson for their willingness to talk to me this week about their experiences with Jesus and deafness in this particular text. Grace, peace, and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. Amen. Given our gospel reading, I thought it might be fun to start tonight with a little American history lesson. So here we go. For most of the 18th and 19th century, long before it was a vacation spot, Martha's Vineyard was a bilingual community. It was a bilingual community because everyone spoke both English and, interestingly enough, not French or Spanish, but sign language. See, deafness was a recessive hereditary trait, and Martha's Vineyard was a pretty isolated genetic population, which meant that any given person on the island could have both hearing and deaf siblings. As a matter of fact, in the mid-1800s, there were areas of Martha's Vineyard where 25% of the population was deaf. So deafness was just a trait some people had, like blondness or tallness and everyone spoke sign language. But everyone didn't speak sign language in the region of the Decapolis where the, hearing, where the healing of the deaf man takes place. And so they, whoever they is, they brought to Jesus a deaf man with a speech impediment and begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. The text, by the way, doesn't say a word about what the deaf guy wanted. <laughs> so this week I started wondering if Jesus showed up in Martha's Vineyard 150 years ago when deafness was just a trait and not a disease, would the collective they have brought him a deaf man to heal? Because it would be kind of like them bringing him a man born blonde and begging Jesus to fix him. <laughs> And I get that there was not a whole lot of talk about psychology and identity politics and disability rights in biblical times. But I couldn't help thinking that they were using this man's deafness to be what a family systems expert would call their identified problem. Hey Jesus, we, the people who are just fine, brought you the broken guy so you can fix him. I can't help feeling like it would have been more realistic if all those people who brought the deaf guy to Jesus also sought healing for themselves. But that's not how we operate. We let the obviously broken people carry all the brokenness for us. It's quite a convenient system, really. Like when someone is obviously an active alcoholic, we are thrilled not to have to look at our own drinking. The system we have, where we all agree on who the real drunk is, and who the real liar is, and who the real emotionally needy person is, works really well for us. That is, until Jesus shows up and messes it all up. Because when Jesus showed up, I think it's really interesting in this text that he took that deaf man away from the they. He removes him from that system. He sticks his fingers in his ears and he spits and he touched his tongue and looks to heaven and the text says he sighed. He looked to heaven and sighed. 
And the thing is, Jesus didn't then rebuke the man or his deafness. He didn't say, I cast out the demon of deafness. He just touched him. And he looked to heaven. And he sighed. And he said, be open. It's a wonderful statement for healing, isn't it? Be open. It's an image that stuck with me all week. This might sound weird, but all week I kept picturing Jesus sticking his fingers in each of your ears and saying, be open. (laughs) And then in the same daydream, before I could stop it, I pictured Jesus' holy and unwashed fingers in my own ears. He sighed and he looked to heaven and he said, be open. And I'm pretty sure I said, no thanks. (laughs) Because see, it's painful to be open. There's no control in it. No self-determination. But Jesus is like that, taking us away from whatever they think about us, getting all up in our business and insisting on our wholeness. Be open, he says. Be open to a life where you aren't the broken one anymore. Be opened to the possibility that there is healing in the world and it might not look like you think it should. Be opened to knowing that your own brokenness doesn't need to be hidden behind someone else's brokenness. Be open to the idea that you are stronger than you think. Be open to the idea that you are not as strong as you think. Be open to the fact that you may not ever get what you want and that you will actually be okay anyway. Be open to finally being happy. Be open to your own need for healing, especially if you yourself are a healer. Be open to life and life abundant. Maybe that's what healing really is. We think it's about identifying what's wrong with someone else or what's wrong with ourselves, and then having that thing cured, but I wonder if spiritual healing has more to do with being opened than it does being cured. There's a famous evangelical Christian named Johnny Erickson who had her book on their bookshelf growing up, Johnny Erickson. She became a quadriplegic as a teenager and went on to write a really lovely memoir about that story and about her relationship with God. And having lost the use of her arms, she eventually learned to paint by holding a brush in her teeth. She was a real hero of mine growing up. Which is why when I was watching 24 consecutive hours of bad Christian television a few years ago for a book I was writing, I was dismayed when Johnny Erickson appeared as a guest on The 700 Club. Because even I can't be snarky about this woman. And that was my job. She is a lovely human being. And what she said in that interview forever changed how I view the issue of healing. See, not surprisingly, a whole lot of well-meaning and enthusiastic prayer warriors often offer to pray for Johnny to be healed of her quadriplegia. And unlike me, who would just roll my eyes and say, give me a break, she never refuses prayer. But from her wheelchair, Johnny Erickson says to them, could you instead please pray for the times when I cherish inflated ideas of my own importance. Could you please just pray for the times when I fudge the truth, the times I manipulate my husband to get my own way? Ma'am, if you want to pray for me, could you please pray that I receive the power of resurrection to put to death the things in my life that displease God? 
The they she encounters might keep praying for a cure, but Johnny Erickson is opened. My friend Sarah this week told me about a friend of hers who that very day was just hours from dying in hospice. She told me that for 15 years her friend had dealt with different cancers and treatments and that he was completely and totally at peace with himself and the world and with dying. And then she described this sick man as the most healed person she knew. He was open. But it's not easy. Healing can hurt. It can feel less, it can feel like a loss as much as it can feel like a gain. Because sometimes healing feels more like death and resurrection than getting a warm cookie and a glass of milk. Maybe you're someone who has for so long been the one who suffers depression or illness or dysfunction that you are simply more comfortable that way because frankly, when you stay sick, no one expects much from you and that's easier. Maybe you're someone who deals so much with the brokenness and sickness of others in your work that you forget that you are in need of healing too. Maybe you're someone who has experienced healing of hospitality here in this community and you have yet to be healed through offering the same thing to others. Maybe you, like myself, would rather not admit to needing anything from anyone, including Jesus. And to all of this, I picture Jesus sticking his fingers in our ears looking to heaven, sighing and saying, be open. Be open because there's more. In the kingdom of God, the kingdom inaugurated by the crucified and risen one, there is more. Which is exactly why, after these healings, Jesus told people to not go and blab about it. He knew that without knowing the end of the story, without the cross, they would get it wrong. Because when Jesus hung from the cross, he did so as the ultimate innocent victim, the world's scapegoat, as though to say this ends here. You just can't look at the cross and think, wow, good thing Jesus did that for the people we've identified as being the problem around here. <laughs> the healing love of God poured out through the death and resurrection of Christ, which opens us up, sometimes even against our will, is for you, and it is for me, and it is for the redemption of all creation. In a letter to a friend who was struggling with faith, Flannery O'Connor, who I think understood the gospel better than any human being on the planet, wrote this to her friend. What people don't realize is how much religion costs they think faith is a big electric blanket when, of course, it's the cross. It is much harder to believe than not believe. If you feel you can't believe, you must at least do this. Keep an open mind. Keep it open toward faith. Keep wanting it. Keep asking for it. And just leave the rest to God. Amen.